Our friend, one of our worship leaders, Janae Shirley, was at Saddleback this week at a conference for a mental health in the church. And she and I were texting back and forth, and it was really cool just to hear from her what she was experiencing there, some of the things that she was seeing, and really kind of this developing sense, an ongoing developing sense of the church stepping into a deeper place of caring for one another. It was really encouraging just to hear what she had been experiencing. At the same time, I was in a at a conference in Atlanta this week, a conference called Catalyst that I get the opportunity to do some work for. And just meeting with a lot of ministry leaders, spending time with them, talking to them, was really encouraged by what I sensed God doing in so many of the leaders that I met, where he's really, I think there's a move in the church right now that God is doing to bring leaders to a new place of humility, a new place of openness and vulnerability. And so just to start tonight with just an encouraging word that as Janae was out in California and I was in Atlanta this week doing things and meeting other church leaders from around the country, around the world, like God is doing some really good stuff. And I think he's stirring a deeper heart of humility and compassion in his church. And that's really encouraging to me because sometimes I leave big things like that where there's a lot of church leaders and it's kind of like, oh yeah, well our thing's like this and our thing is this big and it like kind of feels like everybody's gone fishing and is trying to prove who has the bigger fish. But it's just really cool to see how God is like really stirring a deep level of humility in people. And out of that humility, I think, is developing a greater sense of care for the church, for one another, for the church as a whole, and for the world as a whole. And I think God is up to some really cool stuff. And I think that's uh, particularly significant tonight because of what we're talking about. We're talking about this healthy family means caring for one another well. A really simple phrase. Um, last week we talked about this next season of us for a church is built around this idea that we feel like God is kind of calling us into around the idea of family living in heavenly reality, that we want to be a family. We want to love one another well. We want to care for one another well. We want to embody what it means for us to be a healthy loving family. And then out of that overflows from us the realities of heaven and that we would be that kind of church and we would be that kind of people that we care for one another well. And so tonight, as we're talking about family, we want to talk about caring for one another well. And the, the first thing, like off the bat, before we even start talking about what does it mean for us to care for one another well, we really want to approach this and spend some time with this. To care well for others, we must first know we are cared for. To care well for others, we must first know we are cared for. And I want us to just pause right here and close our eyes. And I just want us to invite the Holy Spirit there where you are, in your seat with your eyes closed, maybe open your hands as a sign of openness to receive from the Lord. And God, we just ask you right now in this moment by your Holy Spirit to just come in a supernatural way and remind us how much you care for us. Remind us of the sacrifice of Jesus. Remind us of the loving heart of the Father. And God, just in a really fresh way tonight, would you embrace us? God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us first. God, may we, may we just rest in the fullness of your embrace tonight. The safety and rest of being in Christ. God, focus our mind, focus our heart 
tonight. As we move through this time together, God, as we consider how much you care for us and as we consider how we can more fully care for one another, God, I pray that you would focus us on you, on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, on the saving work of Jesus, and on what it means for us to follow you well. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we move into this idea that to care for others, we must first know we're cared for. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 1. We'll be looking at 10 verses, verses 15 through 25. And so this letter that's being written to the Colossians, it starts with this. The sun is the image of the invisible God. And Paul, bless his heart, sometimes I feel like Paul is writing a textbook. And I'm somebody who love words. Like, I really, really love words. And I think that there's, like, really beautiful and poetic ways to say really wonderful things. And I think this phrase right here, the sun is the image of the invisible God, contains within it so much. And Paul here said the sun is the image of the invisible God. Well, what does that mean? It means we serve a big God. We serve an amazing God. We serve a God that is beyond our words. He's beyond the expression that we can give him. If I had a thousand tongues and every day for the remainder of my life, all 1,000 of those tongues spoke of the glory and the goodness and the character of God, I would never reach the end of declaring his awesomeness. And we serve a holy God. The nature of his invisibility is that he is holy and he is set apart. And in fact, he is so holy that there are beings in heaven whose sole job for the all of eternity, the whole of eternity, is to, to declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And God in his power and his might and his holiness could, if he wanted to, destroy everything he's made. But in his love and in his compassion and in his grace, he has chosen to come to us because he truly does very much care for us. And so he took all of his glory. He took all of his fullness. He took the entirety of who he was and he stuffed it in a shell of a human. And Jesus came to earth as Emmanuel, God with us, because God does indeed care for you. Right? Yeah. And God does indeed care for me. You tonight are cared for by the king of the universe who was willing to leave the glory of heaven and come to earth so that we might be reunited with him. When we chose to run away, he chose to give up everything he had to be with us again. And if that does not tonight speak a good word of how much you and I are cared for tonight, I don't know what is. And as we talk about caring for one another, we recognize that that begins with the supernatural work of God in our lives, that he would give us his heart and he would give us his eyes so that we can feel the way he feels about people and that we can see the way he sees people. 
because his heart is the perfect embodiment of what it means for us to care for one another. And as we talk tonight about caring for one another, every time we talk about another way we can do that, we begin by recognizing how God in his goodness has already so beautifully and fully cared for us. And every bit of care that we have for someone else is a reflection of how much God cares for you tonight. All right? Yeah, so that's the first half of the first sentence of all the scripture we'll look at tonight. All right, so here we go. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And I love that. It goes immediately to relationship. That in the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And recognizing creation in the same sentence recognizes God's relationship to everything he made. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And all of that glory, all of that power, the fullness of the Father placed inside of Jesus, coming to earth to give himself so that we might be reconciled back to God. And we see this picture in this book of Colossians right at the beginning in chapter 1. And pretty quickly, Paul gets to verse 24, and it says this. We'll skip down to this. Now, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And do you see this? We see the beauty of God. We see the immensity of God. We see the fullness of God. We see how amazing he is. And yet Paul here is saying, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. Now that not for a second and in no way belittles the glory and immensity of who God is. In fact, his glory and his immensity speak to the fact that he is other from us. He is apart from us, yet being incredibly intimate with us because of the sacrifice of Christ. But what do we see? We have this phrase sometimes in our culture where we say God is enough. And tonight, I want to I remind us that God is not enough. God is not enough because God walked with Adam in the cool of the day, face to face, side by side, and yet Adam still was alone. And God created for him someone to be with him. Human relationship does something in us that our relationship with God does not do. 
God has put us here together to embody his character for one another and to care for one another as a representation of who he is. And not for a second does that belittle who he is. In fact, it amplifies his understanding, his beauty, his immensity of knowing exactly what we need when we need it. And so God saw that Adam needed one that he could relate to in a way that he was not able to relate to God. And so he created Eve and together they had a relationship that enabled them to care for one another in a very special way. And as we talk about family tonight, as we talk about church tonight, what we recognize is that, yes, God cares for us, but we have the opportunity to, to care for one another in a very special and unique way. And so let's go into the next part of tonight's message as we recognize that we are cared for. How then do we care for one another? And we start here. When we care, we practice caregiving. When we care, we practice caregiving. When we care, it's not just something we feel. It's not just something we think. Caring is proactive. We step into it proactively. And so there's this passage in John 19, and it's the story. Jesus has just been crucified, and he's actually still on the cross, and we see people come to care for his body. And so we see a very literal story here of people coming to care for the body of Christ in John chapter 19. And as we read this passage tonight, we're going to simultaneously look at it as a metaphor for us because what does God call the church? The body of Christ. And so we see Joseph and Nicodemus caring for the body of Christ. And we're going to derive from how they care for Christ's literal body principles that we can take on to understand how we can better care for Christ's body, the church. So John chapter 19. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. And so what we know about Joseph is that he had the fear of man that prevented him from being openly a follower of Jesus because he was afraid of what the Jewish leaders might do to him or say about him. And so there was trepidation about him doing anything in public that related to the person of Christ. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. And so what we see in Joseph is that he overcame fear and he took risk for the body of Christ. We see Joseph doing that for the body of Christ. In the same way, you and I, as we care for the body of Christ, his church, it will necessitate that we step out of what's comfortable for us, that we would be people who overcome fear and we take risk. For me, I know that a lot of times that's kind of stepping outside of what's comfortable, comfortable for me in the area of like talking to strangers. I was with my small group last week, and uh, we were talking about ways that we can become more like Jesus, and we challenged one another with specific things that we could do throughout the week to really do that. And the thing that they challenged me with is, all right, Cole, you got to talk to at least three strangers this week. I was like, okay, all right, whatever. That was on Tuesday night. On Thursday, um, I went... It, on Wednesday, the very next morning, actually, got um, in a, a shuttle to go from the parking lot to the airport um, to fly to Atlanta. And on the shuttle, there was this lady who had a dollar bill in her hand, and she was like very intently looking at the dollar bill. 
And then she like pulled out her phone and she was like looking at her phone and then she looked at the dollar bill and she looked at her phone and then she started typing in like the serial number on the dollar bill. And Joel actually was with me and I was like, tap, like kneeing Joel, like, what is that lady doing? <laughs> and normally it would, that would just be the thing. But I was like, okay, talk to strangers, Cole, which I would say is a good policy after the age of like 17 maybe. Like we're taught as kids, don't talk to strangers. And I think that's a habit we all need to get out of. Woo! Who's excited about that over there? Was that you? All right, okay. Woo! Talk to strangers. Um, so we'll keep teaching our kids that, but then we need to tell them, like, don't talk to strangers until you're 17 and talk to everybody you meet. Um, but anyway, I just, I like, well, what are you doing with your dollar bill there? And she's, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a stamp and it's like, follow George or something like that. And you can like, put the serial number in and track a dollar bill and see where it's been. Anyway, we just kind of struck up this simple conversation with this lady. Well, I'm, I'm going out of town. And when you go out of town, I don't know if you know this, but you often encounter a lot of people you've never met before. So it was like trial by fire in the realm of talking to strangers. And what was cool is like the more I did it throughout the week, the more opportunity I had to go into a deeper place with people because it was becoming something that I was beginning to know how to navigate better and listen to the Lord in the midst of and overcome my trepidation into stepping in some of that. And so what we see in Joseph, he was overcoming fear to go to Pilate and say, can I take Christ's body because I want to care for it? In the same way, you and I overcome fear and we begin taking risks as we truly care for the body. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Now, this is far more than a traditional burial ceremony would necessitate. And what we see in Nicodemus bringing 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe is an extravagance in caring for the body of Jesus. When you and I care for one another, we should care for one another, one another extravagantly. I think a lot of times we get in our own world and we say, I have this thing or this is my bubble and I'm going to stay in it. And what's mine is mine and I got what I got. But when you and I care for one another well, we care for one another extravagantly, just abundantly going out of the way to care for one another. This is what we see in the life of Mary Magdalene earlier in the ministry of Jesus. She brings this jar of oil and she pours it over Jesus' feet. And Judas gives her a hard time for doing it because he said, we could have sold that and given the money to the poor. And Jesus says, I'm only going to be with you for a little while. This is good. And she, she demonstrated extravagant care for the body in the same way as we should. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish, Jewish burial customs. And they're paying such acute attention here. And I think in the same way, we pay attention to one another. We see one another. We know the experiences of one another. And simultaneously, what do we see? They're dealing with something dirty. They're dealing with a dead body. And I think a lot of times as we are averse to pain or we're averse to dirtiness, a lot of times we don't care well for one another because we don't want to get wrapped up in other people's mess. But these guys were getting really messy with the body and caring for it well. And in the same way, you and I will get messy because we'll get involved in the lives of other people. 
And when we get involved in the lives of other people, it will inevitably become messy. But that's how we care for one another. When we weave our lives together with other people, we are cared for well, and it gives us the opportunity to care for others well as well. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. This tomb belonged to Joseph. Joseph had gone out and spent his money to buy this tomb, and he was making plans for his own death. And he spent his money to buy that thing, and when he died, he expected that people would put his body in it. But what did he do? He gave sacrificially in order to care for the body of Christ. He bought something and gave that thing away in order to bury Jesus. And in the same way as you and I care well for the body of Christ, we will give sacrificially. And so as we look at this very literal story, very literal account of how Nicodemus and Joseph cared for the body of Christ, it speaks so much to us about how we too care for Christ's body, the church, by overcoming fear and taking risk and exhibiting extravagance and paying attention and getting dirty with one another and giving sacrificially. And that's what it means for us when we care for one another, we practice caregiving. We go out of our way and we practice thoughtfulness. Um, a lot of you know Nathan, um, he leads our engagement team, and we talk about him a lot up here, and he comes up and does announcements quite a bit. Um, and their engagement team is helping us as a church get connected together and with one another. And one of the things that we do through the engagement team is a lot of times we'll honor some of our leaders up here. So on, a, on, on several weeks, uh, a month, we'll get a leader up here, and we'll just honor them, and we'll, we'll thank them for what they've done to serve us as a church. Well, Heather... Surprise! Um, no, you can say it. I'm just going to talk about it. Um, Heather um, came to Nathan a little while ago, and she said, hey, we talk about honoring a lot. Let's, let's amplify that. Let's take it to a whole new level. And so she's gathered a few people, and they're going out and, like, surprise honoring people. So a couple weeks ago, they went to... Um, Jennifer Girl's school, Lake Brantley, and they brought her flowers, and they, like, hung stars from her ceiling... And Jen um, volunteers in our cafe most weeks, and they just said, hey, thank you for what you do. Thank you for serving us, and we want to just honor you, and thank you for doing what you do and being who you are. And I think that, for me, is like a beautiful demonstration of what it means to practice caregiving, to go out of our way, to honor, another, honor one another well, and recognize the things that we're doing to serve the body and to serve one another, and just lifting one another up. And as we look at how we honor one another, as we look at how we honor the body of Christ, of course we look to the New Testament church. And the New Testament church gives us so many examples of what it means to be a family together. And I think one of the most important things we can learn from the book of Acts and Paul's letters to the church in the New Testament is that the early church wasn't about creating an organization. It was about becoming family. And we see, we see the establishment of a lot of initiatives and programs in the New Testament church. It's not to say there's no strategy in being the church, but what we recognize is that everything that we do isn't about building an organization, it's about serving the family. 
we care for one another and we proactively exemplify caregiving, not because we're just supposed to do it, but because the people we're caring for are the people that are in spiritual family with us. And that's what we see in Acts 2.42 as they teach and they spend time together and they, they eat with one another and they heal with one another and they spend all of this time together. And in Acts 2.42 through 47, one of the things that we can derive from that is our next point about caring for one another. When we care, we're proactive in providing. When we care, we're proactive in providing. We don't just um, we don't just sit around waiting for someone to come and say like, hey, I need help. Like we're constantly looking like, Lord, how can I see people the way you see them? How can you illuminate in me supernaturally what people are experiencing and how can I go and care well for those people? In verse 44 of Acts 2, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. These people are going out of their way. And like I said just a little bit ago, every time we come to one of these ideas of caring for one another, we're talking about exemplifying and reflecting the character and nature of God as he cares for us. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks to us about the Father's heart when he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And so we see that God proactively provides for us as he cares for us. And as we care for one another, we embody his character and we reflect his methodology as we too proactively provide for one another. John and Peter in Acts chapter 3 are walking through a city, and you probably know this story. They come to a man who's laying on a mat, and he's begging, and he's asking them for money. And Peter looks at that man, and because he takes time to look at the man, to know the man, to care for the man, he sees the true root of what that man needs. And he doesn't say, you need money, I will give you money. In fact, he says, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that man gets up and walk and Peter provides healing in that man's life that day in a way that he cares for him, not just on the surface, but at the root to move him into a place where he can physically step into a place of thriving in his life. And so what we learn from that as we think about proactively providing for one another is that proper practice of the spiritual gifts is rooted in a deep sense of care. When we don't have a deep sense of care for one another, all these spiritual gifts that we've been talking about since the beginning of the year become self-centered and toxic. Peter in that moment could have said, you know what? I see that guy right there. I have the gift of healing. I'm going to heal him so that people will know me as a healer. I'm going to heal him so that people look at me. I'm going to heal him so that I feel good about myself. I'm going to heal him so I, I think that I have a more deep and meaningful purpose. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a deep and meaningful purpose. There's nothing wrong with being known as a healer. But Peter, because he had a deep sense of care for that man, was able to exemplify the gift of healing in a way that aligned with God's intention for that gift. 
He cared for the man. He had compassion for the man. And he went to the man in a pure heart and was able to raise him to his feet. And he, in fact, went away dancing. And you and I, in order to exemplify and embody and practice the spiritual gifts that we've been talking about, they have to be rooted in a deep sense of care. Last point here. When we care, we're present. When we care, we're present. I, I can't, like, express any more importance of this idea that in order for us to care for one another, we have to know one another. We have to be face-to-face with one another. We have to spend time with one another. We have to carve out space in our lives to be face-to-face with people so that we can care for them and be cared for by them. In Matthew 28, Jesus is giving the Great Commission, and he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, when we say this phrase, when we care, we're present, we look to God as the exemplification of the the demonstration of this reality. Jesus says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And Jesus sends the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and God is in us and we have relationship with him and he cares for us and so he is present with us. And if you and I are far from God, we wither spiritually. The same thing is true when it comes to our human relationships. The same thing is true when it comes to our church, when it comes to our spiritual family, if we are far from one another, we wither. If we are present with one another in a healthy way that embodies a deep sense of care for one another, we thrive as we serve one another. Growing up, I did so many things. I did like theater stuff and music stuff and all kinds of things. And I went to rehearsals and performances and many things. I remember like I did a thing at Disney World when I was in fourth grade, and we had this rehearsal at like two in the morning at Epcot. And um, and I just remember my mom like sitting there. It was cold outside, and uh, we had this break, and we were just like sitting on this bench, like wrapped up in a blanket together. And it's just this beautiful recognition that her presence with me communicated care. I was able to more fully step into the passions of my life Because my mom was willing to be present. And as we care for one another as the church, it necessitates presence. It necessitates being face-to-face with one another. We see Paul expressing this over and over again. Every time he writes a letter, every time he starts it, every time he finishes it, I wish I could be there with you. I remember that time I got to spend with you. Oh, if only I could come back to you. Paul recognizes the value of not only communicating through letter writing, but being physically present with people. We talk about that idea here at our church quite frequently, the power of the ministry of presence. The fact that you're sitting in this room tonight is important, that you have something to contribute to who we are that no one else can contribute. And so it's important when you're here. And it's not only important that you're here, it's important that you 
recognize that God not only wants you to be present, he wants you to come into this space and see the way he sees and be listening with great wisdom to understand what it is that he would have you contribute in this space. God, do you have a word that you want to speak to someone? God, are my eyes open to wonder what it is that you want to communicate tonight, potentially through me? God, do you have a way that I can encourage someone tonight? Lord, is there some supernatural word of knowledge that you've given to me that you want me to deliver to someone tonight on your behalf? God uses us to demonstrate his care when we are faithful to show up. And your presence in this room tonight is important. Your presence as part of this church tonight is important. And in order for us to be truly spiritual family who care well for one another, your presence is important. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, the writer says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And I think one of the reasons that it's important for us to be face-to-face with one another is because we can't care for one another very well long distance. We can't care for one another very well when we aren't connected with one another. One of the things that just like very practically I've been thinking about this week is just like my own relationship with social media. I was riding in the car with my friend Joel going to lunch yesterday and I was doing some work that I had to do and it was online and I like the whole time he's driving the car like I'm looking down at my phone and it's like, Cole, do you understand the opportunity? Like every moment that you live, Every moment that you spend in a place with another person is an opportunity for you to exemplify the things that God is doing in and through you and to speak truth and life over the people around you. And I just honestly think that like, we've become so used to this that it prevents us from engaging in a fruitful way like this. And just like... This is, I know, very specific and topical around social media, but I think it's a good word for us tonight. We all want to be known, and no amount of social media activity will ever satisfy that desire. Connect for real. Okay. Okay. All right. So you clap, but when you go to dinner tonight, put your phone down. All right? So honestly, I don't care if you clap, because I think we all know it. We all feel it like let's change, like let's do something about it. Let's be people who when we're face to face with other people are truly present with them because it necessitates that we are present with people in order for us to care for them well. Let's connect for real. Let's go beyond the the impossibility of finding intimacy through a digital, digital device. Because we can't serve one another over the internet. We find intimacy, we find connection when we know a person fully and we're able to then care for them. And honestly, like, I think that there are some cool things that we can do. We can encourage one another. We can speak words over one another. I don't have a problem with the internet. I don't have a problem with social media. But honestly, I think the deep longing that we have to care and be cared for happens when we share physical space with other people. I think it's really important for us to value that time and make priority for it. Um, Again, just like a really specific thing that I think that we can do in in regard to this is last week we launched an entirely new set of small groups. And you can find out more information about each of those small groups at citybeautiful.ch slash praxis. Any small group leaders in here right now? Yeah? Woo! Woohoo! 
Um, a lot of them were in the first service. Um, anybody engaged in a small group right now? Yeah? Like 10 of us? Awesome. So grateful for that. All of you who aren't yet, I want, if you don't take a single thing away from this message tonight, if you don't do a single thing as a result of it except for this, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you to in the next 10 minutes, like we're about to sing a song, don't sing the song. Like this is more important than singing the song. Um, citybeautiful.ch slash practice. There's a link in there where you can read all the descriptions of these small groups. I want to challenge you to go to one of these small groups this week. And I don't say that because we're doing a program and we think we're supposed to do small groups. We're trying to build a family and family means caring for one another and we can only care for one another when we're face to face with each other. And so if we want to get serious about becoming something other than a nice organization, we're going to have to be with each other. And we're going to have to walk through stuff with each other. And we're going to have to care for one another well. And I want you to do that. I want you to do that. Please do it. Because I think we have the opportunity to, to show the church in America what it looks like for a church to move beyond organization into what we were really meant to be, which is spiritual family. And the only way we do that is by doing the difficult, the difficult work of relationship. The difficult work of caring for one another well, which begins by spending time with one another face-to-face, -face, by being present with each other. Last thing tonight, um, when you came in, you got one of these. Take it out. You'll notice a name here. Um, you guys know what the human experience is? Um, so the human experience is a school here in Orlando that one of our members, Nathan Smith, started with a lady named Danita. And for the last couple years, they've been serving these kids um, in, uh, in some really, really amazing and powerful ways. Um, these are some pictures from, from the human experience. These are some of their kids. And uh, they actually last year were just sixth grade. This year, they're sixth and seventh grade, even have a couple fifth graders in there. Um, and Nathan and Danita have been carrying this thing for a couple years now. And they've sacrificed so much of their lives. That's Nathan there. To do it. Well, um, recently, Danita just felt led um, to take a job at a school up north. And Nathan and Danita have been partners in this for the last couple years. And uh, Nathan and Danita, in so many ways, have become like a mother and father to a lot of these kids. And as we were talking about the message this week and how we could really just like practically demonstrate care for one another, we said, um, these kids just found out that Denise is taking that job and it's been a really significant like blow to them. And so we thought one of the ways that we can care for Nathan and one of the ways that we can care for these kids is by all of us um, writing letters of encouragement to these kids and loving them through our words. Um, and as we talk about being present, honestly, like one of the ways that you can love these kids and one of, these, one of the ways that we can serve Nathan, um, there's a lot of ministry opportunities that are part of the human experience. And if you go to that URL, citybeautiful.ch slash praxis, you can also find more information about um, how we are serving uh, this group of kids together. And I would encourage you to consider doing that. But tonight, during um, this time of singing, I'm just going to invite you to supernaturally ask the Lord how you can encourage uh, the kid whose name is written here on the, um, on the bottom of this piece of paper. And just write a letter to them. They'll receive this. And um, whatever the Lord would have 
you say tonight, whatever he wants to say through you. I know you don't know this kid probably, um, but God can supernaturally inform you about how he wants to encourage them tonight through you. And during the first service, Nathan and his wife, Jill, were here, and it was really cool. He didn't know we were specifically doing this. And um, just before, like, we finished everything, he raised his hand and actually came down here and uh, took the microphone and just gave a really cool testimony. And um, earlier this week, um, he had brought in a passage from the book of Genesis. And as he was going through this passage with the kids, he noticed that a lot of them were, like, really, like, sensing it in a heavy way. And Nathan just, he was going to go on and he was like, all right, there's instructional time. We need to like get into our lesson for the day. But then he just really sensed the Holy Spirit saying, no, hold on. And he said, if there's any, like he said, you guys seem to be experiencing this in a really heavy way. If there's anybody here who just wants to accept Jesus, come up, come up to the front right now. And he said one of the girls in the back like immediately stood up and she started walking to the front of the classroom. And he said within a few seconds, every single one of the students was up out of his or her seat standing at the front of the room. Isn't that awesome? And so you're not only like the timing of this, like the divine timing of this isn't only like for us to encourage these kids in the moment of pain, but it's us to encourage these kids who are like beginning a new relationship with God. And we have the opportunity to serve them by this letter, but we also have the opportunity um, to serve them through showing up. So if that's something the Lord's kind of like laying on your heart, please follow through with that. So I'll just pray and then you can write. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, we just, um, God, we bless you tonight. (laughs) As you've so blessed us with your presence, God, we just want to be present with you. Lord, lead us as we write. Would you divinely inspire our words tonight as we write on these pieces of paper? And would you lead us as we love one another well, as we become a spiritual family caring for one another? God, would you lead us? Would you remind us of how much you care for us as we care for one another? God, we love you. So you write, and uh, as you finish that up, feel free to stand as we sing together.